Good morning. Today's text is always a bit jarring for most as we hear Jesus' shocking initial reaction to the request of the Syrophoenician woman. We find Jesus is downright rude. I mean, after all, she comes to Jesus bowed down as if in a posture of worship, begging that he cure her young daughter of an unclean spirit. We know that is something Jesus has easily done in the past. Yet he brushes her off, refusing her request and casting her aside, even throwing in an ethnic slur for good measure. It leaves us with the haunting question, why would our Jesus act this way? The traditional answer is that he is not actually refusing her, but rather testing her. And that his initial rejection and insult aren't real at all, but rather the means by which he tests her faith to see if she really truly believes in him. I don't think I'm alone in believing this interpretation is problematic. First of all, nothing similar to these sorts of statements or methods occurs anywhere else in the Gospel of Mark. Second, there is no mention of testing in the story itself, like one sees, for example, laid out at the beginning of the book of Job to offer the reader some context. Also, of course, this interpretation creates a cold-hearted picture of a God who taunts and tests us in our deepest moments of need. So it's important to ask then, if we are not okay with this sort of interpretation, then what's really going on? Why on earth would Jesus react to someone in serious need in such a callous manner? As I have said at other times, I believe this was a powerful teaching moment for Jesus himself. At this moment, I believe Jesus had not yet realized the full extent of God's mission or the truly radical nature of the kingdom he was being led to proclaim. This, of course, messes with our image of Jesus. We want to think of him as perfect from birth, as if God had made sure the three wise men slipped a copy of God's complete playbook in the manger with Jesus to have from the beginning. We must take Mark's narrative seriously, though, especially given, especially since it is the earliest written gospel. Remember, if we believe that Jesus was fully human as well as fully divine, then perhaps we should not be surprised to witness a story of the development in Jesus' own recognition of God's full vision for the world. I mean, after all, the profoundly expansive notion of a kingdom that included everyone with no exceptions was completely and totally unheard of at the time, and unfortunately still is considered a novel and daunting idea. If we entertain this notion, it can open up 
the passage to give voice to much, much more for us, though. We can imagine that this woman didn't simply pass a cruel test, but instead, and as Jesus himself says, quote, demonstrated profound faith. A faith reinforced through giving continued voice to her need despite her treatment as well as her unwavering care for her daughter. We might also be able to acknowledge that this brave mother actually taught the teacher Jesus something profound through her willingness to stand her ground in love for her daughter, even in the face of his and the other's other disciples' rejection. This story has more to offer us when we allow her voice to be heard as one infused with God's healing power. Jesus' willingness to change his actions in the face of her truth-bearing conviction reminds us of the same willingness we are to offer to each other in those moments when our blind spots are pointed out to us. We don't know what we don't know until someone out there is brave enough to offer a voice of truth to us with straightforward loving care. Such a use of our voice is a powerful tool to begin to bring about healing and reconciliation where there is fracture and isolation among us. This story teaches us about the gift and importance of the stranger newcomers, foreigners, people who are different or perceived different from us. They stretch our perspective and teach us things about themselves, about the world, and about us. And that learning only happens if we listen. And while from time to time we will meet persons as bold or even as desperate as is the woman in this story, who will offer their insight to us unprompted, more often these folks sit instead at the margins of our faith communities if they enter our door at all. So we will need to reach out to those who reside on the margins of our world. We need to convince them over time that we care about their opinion as God opens our hearts to genuinely do so. One question we might ask ourselves now in worship and later at home and regularly in church leadership meetings is who are the ones we are overlooking as we make our decisions? Who isn't seen in the center of things? Who's not sitting at the table even if that table is a Zoom meeting in this moment. Who has been silenced by their circumstances and still might have a great deal to teach us? The Syrophoenician woman may additionally teach us about a common characteristic faith can take. While it's plausible that the woman not only believed in Jesus, but also in herself, we actually don't know for certain whether this woman believed herself worthy of God's attention and Jesus' time. 
However, I do know that she believed her daughter was worthy. She was convinced that her precious, beloved daughter, who was being oppressed by this unclean spirit, was absolutely deserving of Jesus' attention. So this woman was willing to go to great lengths to help her daughter, even to the point of arguing with this famous teacher and healer, and not knowing what the outcome might be. I think that scenario is often the case with faith. It shows itself most fully when exercised on behalf of others. This isn't to say that I'm against self-affirmation. Rather, it's simply to say that we are not created to be isolated beings. We are created to find our true selves most deeply in community, in relationship, and when we are advocating for another. In the woman's case, giving voice for her daughter, who was not in a position to. I find it interesting in our gospel reading for today that this theme of giving voice keeps threading itself through in several forms. We begin with a mother wanting to give voice to her vulnerable daughter's need. Jesus, who at first wants to dismiss the mother's voice based on its foreign nature. We then have that same mother pushing back with her voice, with a risky demand that her humanity and her daughter's need be acknowledged as a legitimate one. Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Jesus brings about her daughter's healing in his words, for saying that, which I interpret to mean for this very pushback she gives to Jesus' assumptions about what and who was important in that moment. This previously dismissed woman actually gave voice. She actually gave voice to the fullness of God's plan to include all with no exception in the kingdom of God. That could be powerful enough, but it doesn't end there. As the chapter continues, I don't think it's just coincidence that the next story we are told this morning is of Jesus curing a man who had an an impediment in his speech, taking away his ability to give voice to anything. Jesus healed him, healed him, and we are told he was immediately able to speak plainly, perhaps in that same plain and powerful manner, manner the Syrophoenician woman did. Ironically, Jesus told the observers to tell no one at that point. But of course, the healing power issuing forth resulted in many more also giving voice to this healing power. We are told they proclaimed it with even more zeal. In that spirit of community, of renewal and hope, today I invite each one of us to imagine that they will be renewed in mission and energy and spirit 
when we ask ourselves each day, what is God asking me to give voice to, to be a catalyst for divine healing? Or perhaps asking ourselves to identify those persons around us who need advocacy and care. We are called to seek out the least, the lost, the lonely, the widowed and orphaned, the voiceless, and give space for their voices and needs to be heard so that we might provide compassion, love, and care as our response to them in the most informed manner possible. There are so many places, people, and creatures in creation that need love, attention, compassion, and kindness. How does Canterbury United Community Church want to respond? How does Canterbury United Community Church want to help? Where do we want to respond? Who are we going out to seek as we seek to hear the voices in the margins? In Mark's Gospel and in other passages, Jesus says that only those who give away their life will find it. I think that's true both in our individual and congregational experience. And I think Jesus first learned just how true that is from this fiercely loving mother. I believe that we will find our lives here at Canterbury United Community Church by stretching ourselves to reach others with love and compassion. I believe that through boldly leaning into Jesus' teachings, we too will hone and learn the ministry and mission God has in store for us this day and as we continue to move forward. This day, let us pray together for what we need to accomplish this. Creator, sustainer, and comforter. We pray this morning that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. We pray that you would help to lead us in justice seeking and set free the captive voices. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.